0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain.
2: Good evening, everyone. I'm your featured host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show was created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary people from all over the world, and, and we're translating to many different languages. And uh, we just provide an open-minded platform that, from people from every walk of life and circumstance, and they can just uh, give us their experiences and their hope. Uh, please follow us on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Okay, during the show, I can take questions in order in chat. And you may also call in with your questions if you've got a special guest. Uh, any buzzkillers in chat are on the phone, you know, gonna, what's going to happen to you? I'm going to kick you out, hang up on you, and ban you from the page. So anyway, just uh, be polite and play nice. And I have a few announcements before we get our special guests on. Now, if you're planning to uh, go to a two, 2017 International UFO Congress, they're already getting ready. And uh, they said the last one was an excellent event, and uh, everybody loved it, and uh, they're going to have videos and news from the last one. But you got to get ready for the next one. So it's at the International UFO Congress. Uh, you can go to their Facebook page, or you can follow them at IUFOC, or check out the hashtag uh, IUFOC and put the hashtag on it. And you can also get some video from the event, uh, from the episode of Open Minds UFO Report, which I love that magazine, Open Minds. But anyway, this is Open Minds TV. And for more information, you can uh, just connect them with what I just told you where I just told you. But anyway, mark your calendars. And again, uh, this, they're telling it's February 15th through 19th, 2017. And be sure to book your room at the Wico Pop Resort early to make sure you have a room for the host hotel, so you'll be able to just see all the speakers and you'll be right there in the same room. And they'll keep you up to date, so please follow them at openminds.tv and the UFO Congress email, of course. And then if you missed the other conference, you can also get DVDs from the lectures and everything else, because I hear they're they're awesome. Anyway, so my special group interest is uh, uh, for contactees and uh, things of that nature. It's Close Encounters Research Organization International, they have a, a wonderful event coming on and you can get the information at www.cerointernational.com. It's a lecture series. And this part of the series is going to be April 23rd uh, at the UCLA France Hall room 117. Nick Pope and Colonel Charles Halt of the Regis of uh incident are uh, actually going to be the speakers and they're going out to dinner afterwards and, uh, and you can be able to speak with them in person. And also they're, they're, everybody, including Yvonne, will be available for uh, interviews. And um, anyway, so if you want more information than that, go again. I said www.cerointernational.com. And also I will be at this particular one. So that's at Friends Hall. So don't miss it. And uh, doors open at 1230 p.m. And please no parking Parking structure number two. If you want more information, go to their uh, website, Or you can call me because I'll tell you everything too So anyway, so if you don't know Nick Pope And Colonel Hall, you've, you've got to meet these people Because they're like the front runner And the, the founder of this organization, Ciro, Is by Yvonne Smith, who worked for the, the late Dr. John Mack And uh, Bud Hopkins and Dita Jacobs, all the biggies So she's wonderful and she does do support and all that Okay, let's see This is the one I'm going to go to so you can, I think, get the information at the same place. So they're going to have another thing Saturday. Uh, they're hosting a roundtable, and it's going to be at the uh, Marriott in Torrance. Sunday, April 24th, where you can have the opportunity to interact with the speakers up close and personal. And this this location is Courtyard Marriott 9, 1925 West 109th Street in Torrance. And it's uh, doors open at 12:30. General admission is 30 bucks. For advanced ticket purchase, please go to w And and it holds the the Marriott Theater holds about forty seats. But anyway, I'm gonna be in those seats and I'm gonna be donating time over there. So anyway, go over there if you want to meet everybody and it's very exciting. And I want to give you a heads up on Kim Troutman and she's like the vice president of of Cyril, But she's also a intuitive counselor, past life regressionist, and she's into hypnotherapy and uh she says she could do it on the phone she can you can come to her her office in beautiful Newport Beach or anything else so she said if you have uh issues with p t s d uh you need energy work and you have uh unknown experiences you'd like to clear up and uh we're talking uh, alien objections any kind of stuff like that so uh she's a wonderful and very uh kind lady. Her phone number is eight six six five four six eight seven six eight and now Last but not least, let's see. My good, good friend, Marilyn. So anyway, she's a healer and she has these divine oil. Uh, they're called Loves Blessing. They smell good. it's smell good in a sense. If you want to get her website, go to www.lovesblessing.com. And she's a really cool lady. I really love her. So now I get all the announcements. So. You know, tonight I'm very proud and happy to present a very special person. Cynthia uh, Cavalli is many things. She's a shamanic dream and synchronicity coach. She does corporate systems uh, wizardry. She is com- she's a complexity consultant and a visionary life strategist. Her background includes an eclectic band- blend of education and experience, with a doctorate in organizational so- psychology. So fascinating, three decades as an aerospace engineer. An MBA with the coursework at Cambridge and certification as a shamanic dream teacher. She hails from South India and, like her mastery, culinary creation, She does does everything. She's wonderful. Anyway, her expertise draws from diverse uh, cultures from around the world. She is equally at home providing leadership coaching to corporate executives, offering systems, and complexity workshops into groups or guiding individuals through the uncertain passages of life using dreams synchronicity stories, and mythology, and all the people that love Jungian, that's what she's into, and that's what I'm into too, I love it. She is a gentle, wise soul dedicated to global transformation for the personal inner work and in a marriage of objective science and intuitive healing practices. Uh, she's very learned, and she's well-spoken, and we've had her on before, and we're really happy to have her back. i uh, like to welcome you on. Welcome, Cynthia, to the Paranormal Sacred Radio Show, your live
0: hi hi thank you hi. char
2: you're very welcome and you've been on before but we can't get enough of you so we have you back now
0: <laughs> it's my pleasure <laughs> to be here i'm really glad to be here
2: i'm glad you're here too and um you is one of this uh synchronicity the young thing and all that is such a beautiful uh uh and wonderful way to think about life and it's it's uh it's very artistic. I find that you know, doing the stories and mythology and all that and the dreams, it's a it's like an artist, it's like a painting really to me. Do you agree with that? It's like uh, an artistic way to express yourself.
0: Totally do. I really um at least that's how I've experienced it as well. I um you know, I grew up in a very uh religious household and it was um fundamentalist Christian and it was a very loving household i know that a lot of people have different experiences of fundamental and fundamentalist christianity my household was very loving uh but we believed very literally in the bible and i grew up with that teaching and then when i went into science there were things that just i couldn't make sense of i couldn't reconcile between the uh, between the beliefs that i'd been taught and the the evidence that i was facing and basically, the the struggle was between the inner experience, the religious experience, and the outward world of um, experimental fact. You know, I didn't know how to reconcile those, and I had very large experiences. I I had experience, personal experiences of the divine, and so that was missing from my, my education in science. And I feel that Jungian... Uh, psychology really helped me a lot. Jungian psychology and also um, discovering Joseph Campbell and his work on mythology Mm, and learning about mythological truth. Yes, that was, those were very helpful. And then it made, it made it feel like poetry. It made it feel like an art artwork, how it came together. And then life took on other dimensions of meaning and, um, unfolded in other dimensions that were just really remarkable. So I, I really resonate with the description, the artist the artistic the artistic way of looking at life and reality.
2: Yeah.
0: It is. And uh we're lucky enough that you you're actually
2: uh, currently in the middle of doing some webinars with Gary Bobroff and uh it's like fantastic I put the list and link up there, but it's the synchronicity and the miraculous yin. And uh, can you tell us about this?
0: Yeah, so last fall we did a work a webinar together called uh, um, about synchronicity and consciousness and the extended mind, um, and that was an introductory series on you know introducing people to synchronicity, and we were also looking at the work of Rupert Sheldrake and some others. On extended mind and extended consciousness, and how consciousness is not limited to the physical body or the physical brain. And this is an extension of that work. It's a continuation of that work. It's still introductory uh, introduction to synchronicity and the concept of synchronicity, which is Carl Jung's theory of meaningful coincidence. And we're all, but we're focusing this time from the perspective on the feminine. The archetypal feminine and that has to do with um, with you know we have a very uh, largely patriarchal society and culture and worldview and um, this the the feminine often gets left out and so we'll be exploring what that means what the feminine means what the difference between feminine and masculine is and how to bring them back into balance what a Balanced, integrated perspective looks like, and and it's essential uh, that we find our way to that because the planet is suffering and people are suffering from that split. And the more integrated um, a perspective, and the more integrated we're we're able to become, and between masculine and feminine, the more healthy and whole all of us will be. It'll be good for us all.
2: Yes, and so uh, you go. We'll- we're going to
0: if you want to go check it out, it's
2: at youngianonline.com dot com. That's uh, that's the easiest access and I'll have a poster there. Do you have any other way that uh it's easier to get to that? Uh
0: Cynthia Yeah. So yes, yeah, so dot com forward slash sync, S Y N C H or you can go to my website which is Cynthia Cavalli dot com forward slash upcoming dash events. But you can just go to com and, and find your way to it. i um, find it with the up- upcoming events. Yeah. Right. And we started already, but it's not too late to join. Each session is two hours. We meet on Wednesday nights. You don't have to call in live. Uh, if, if that's an inconvenient time for you. You can download the – you can access it through through a link, and you can get recordings, and then you can still participate by providing um, questions and you know, comments, and then we'll address it in the next session. Um, It's a very intimate group, uh, very casual, um, personal. So, and we really welcome people's stories of synchronicity. So if you have any um, stories of synchronicity where something, you know, inexplicable happened to you and it had a very uh, large component of meaningful coincidence, we'd like to hear about it. We'd love you to share your Mm stories. So, there will be opportunity for sharing as well, and it's a six-part series. So it started this past Wednesday, and it'll run for six weeks till March um, May 18 is when it ends.
2: Is the ending one? Oh, good. You know we really need this, and we need uh, to have more information out there because I feel like uh, this is like the biggest jewel that, that if people don't know about, it, they're missing a lot. If you don't know about uh, Carl Young, his feelings on it, and people like Cynthia and Gary and uh, all the other people interested in the synchronicity and stuff like that, because there's some miraculous things that are going on. I think that's how we know that the divine is there, because some things are really inexplicable, like you said, and that uh, anyway, you can discuss this and listen to them, and it's an awesome thing, so go sign up over there on the site. And uh, what 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 did do you, you how did you get uh you have like a religious background that's really uh fundamental uh, uh fundamentalist did I not I say it right it doesn't sound right to me yeah anyway yeah, no, yeah right. so when you're in a household like that they do uh for me i it created a lot of fear in me you know because uh since I had intuitive things as a kid you know I was always called something that I didn't like you know and it used to scare me it used to call me a witch. Mm, you know what I yeah, mean? I've been yeah. called that even yeah. as an adult. I'm looking at them like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Uh, just yeah, because if you have intuition, be... yeah.
0: yeah. Well, which
2: is a firing yeah, word. I... That's that's uh, bad. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Especially in fundamentalist Christianity, it's 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 a very negative thing, and that that this is where J- Joseph Campbell, uh, his work really helped me a lot because. He highlighted the way in which uh, early Christianity especially kind of demonized anything that was different than what the Bible said, um, which itself is a very patriarchal telling. And um, he helped me understand how uh, the Bible has wonderful things in it, but you understand it. From a mythological perspective, you understand that the things in it are true in the mythological sense, and that they come from a patriarchal framework or a faith, patriarchal perspective. And from that, you can see where it's beneficial and where its limitations may lie. You know where, and when I say limitations, I mean when you're comparing it to your own experience of reality, you can start to see where where it it serves you and where it maybe falls short. And it's really important to examine any perspective from that, you know, in that light, because it has to be. We're being called, I feel, modern people are being called to work out their own salvation, if you will. You have to figure it yes. out for yourself. You have to figure out the framework of reality for yourself. And this is how you start. Well,
2: that's where your expertise comes in, because people. I have many people. I'm a counselor uh for the federal B O P Bureau prison, so I have federal clients and everybody wants oh. to know what is my purpose? You know, who who mm. I know yeah. you know, sorta of who I am, but why am I here? Like what am I what is my purpose? 'Cause when you get out of prison sometimes people have been away for thirty years, you know, and they're trying to find their way back. Um, what is their purpose? How can they uh uh, find their way in this this modern world.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, that is the big question, right? Who am I? Why was I born into this world? What did I come to do? And that that was the stunning thing about I learned that you know our our existence here, our being born into this world, was random, and the things that happen to us are random, and even though I was taught differently, I was taught, you know, the Bible, the Bible and Christianity teach, you know, you, you know, you came to serve God and, and God loves you. And, you know, it has a divine purpose. Um, as I was leaving that fundamentalist framework, mm-hmm. then I needed something else, you know, so that I was studying science and that left a lot to be desired because it it it's not satisfying psychologically, but that's what I really liked about, Jung's work, and especially his work on synchronicity, he started, he found, you know, and he must have analyzed thousands and thousands of patients. Um, one estimate is that he, he analyzed over 66,000 dreams. And this was kind of his empirical database, you might say. And from that, he said, okay, every experience has validity in its own um, context, and how do we honor that? And how do we understand it within that context? And not judge it from outside that context. Not judge it, because that would be a, uh, that would give you the wrong idea. To judge someone from your own perspective wouldn't be fair. One thing that I really liked about it, like about his approach, and the other is that he he began to notice that people would come into his office and come to see him, and they would have dreams, and he looked at his their dreams. And they would often have a dream that in symbolic form would foreshadow, would mirror the the psychological state of the the, uh, patient and then foreshadow kind of what was going on for them and what was going to happen. And the patient would be completely unaware. The patient would then act on whatever they, you know, had worked out together. And then the dream would change and there was this dialogue between inner and outer life. And he noticed it so many times. He thought this has to be something real going on. And that was how he began to recognize um, the signs of synchronicity and began to formulate his ideas on synchronicity. Well,
2: he does have that example of, uh, there was this lady, uh, I know you know the story, this lady that had a, very hard time he has trying to connect with her, and he couldn't, and all that, and then she said the following dream she had in the dream uh she was presented with a beautiful scarab, isn't that the way it went yes yes yeah yeah she had um she
0: was very um she had trouble believing in the reality of the unconscious, and she didn't believe in dreams. she had a very rational, overly rational outlook on life, and he couldn't get through to her. With his psychological work, uh, with his ideas on psychology, and um, she, yes, yeah, she brought she brought this dream about the scarab piece of scarab jewelry. And while she was talking, Jung heard a tapping at the window. And when he went to look <laughs> and see what it was, there was it wasn't not a scarab beetle, but it was a rose chafer beetle, beetle I believe it was. That that's like the closest thing to a scarab beetle, which is from Egypt, closest thing to a scarab beetle in the part of the world, in Switzerland.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: he opened the window and, and grabbed the beetle and then handed it to the patient who was just shocked at, the, at that synchronicity. That was a synchronicity. You know. Where, and a synchronicity, I'll, I'll just throw this in there. Um, the way we're speaking of it is it is when an inner event, such as a dream or a hunch or a premonition or an idea or an image, is matched in outer reality with no way for the two for the two to be causally related, so one didn't cause the other. Um, and and no. when it happens, go ahead.
2: No, I, I was thinking. You said one didn't cause the other. I, I had an odd there's thought no about way that. that. There, <laughs> right.
0: There's no way that it, one could cause the other. There's no so, causal. So for, right. There's no causal connection. So there's no way that her dream caused the beetle to show up and the beetle showing up didn't cause her to have the dream. So that's what we mean by that. We're speaking about um, something that's known as efficient cause.
2: Hmm. Well, do you think subconsciously uh, that you can project a wish and that, that, you know, it was foretelling or somehow psychically a new, a beetle was going to be showing up there?
0: (laughs) Um, Well, so there are, there are, you know, the psyche is very strong and that was one of the, one of the aspects of psyche, of psyche, one of the, that Jung called the psychoid aspect is that it, it can influence matter. But in this Mm. case, you know, she was very unconscious of it and it seems more likely that there was, there was a, a kind of a like, like type thing with, what is known Mm -hmm. in in Taoism as, you know, things that like to happen together. So it appears that there was something was constellated in the consciousness of the patient that took the form, symbolic form of the beetle, the scarab beetle. And then there, and, you know, so, so I can't, I can't pretend to understand how synchronicity happens and the way it happens in this dream is one way that it happens. There are so many others. I'll give you another example. A therapist that I know was seeing a client for relationship difficulties. And the client came in and could never seem to grasp how much difficulty his own marriage was in. And the therapist tried and tried to get this point across. Look, your marriage is really in trouble. And the therapist was kind of oblivious. And in exasperation one time the therapist exclaimed, Your marriage is like a car wreck and at the second that he said car wreck, there was a car wreck right outside the office. Yes. And it was so loud that it shook the it shook the client up. Oh. It shook the therapist up too. And, you know, he he got the message finally. But, you know, the therapist saying car wreck didn't cause the car wreck to happen and the car wreck didn't cause the therapist to say it. Say it, you know. Say those words. They were off. They were each doing their own thing, but there was this inexplicable coinciding of those two things with a with a huge emotional jolt. party. Yeah. So um, that's an example, and I, I can't pretend to understand what's going on there. But we have some guesses. We have some ideas about what what seems to be going on. Let's put it that way.
2: So you really but described there what synchronicity is, you know, and. Uh what about the synchronicity and how is it relevant you know how does it w how does it change our view and attitude towards the world and how does it alter that that I think that's what it is it's like a gift it's like a it's altering your world for usually the better or it gives you a heads up anyway
0: right and and it isn't always positive i sometimes it can be it can have devastating um consequences but um i think the reason it's important i think the reason it's relevant to people today is because it speaks to another way that reality is organized that reality is organized not just causally where thing where you do something and then there are consequences to that action direct consequences and then you have this kind of a causal domino effect where this action results in that action, results in this consequence and results in that, and you have this ripple effect. That is definitely how some things happen in the world. Lots of things happen that way. And there are consequences to our actions and our thoughts and our deeds. But there seems to be this other way that reality is organized as well. And that is through through a causal means. Um, And you have... You have things that are like each other happening, or actually, there are things that are just inexplicable. So, at one end of the spec, and it seems to fall along a spectrum, so that at one end of the spectrum, you have a causal phenomena that are um, things that are just so, and they are, they're not necessarily meaningful. They have um, things like the natural number system is a causal. There's not any uh, they weren't. It was discovered by by people, humans. It was not invented by humans. It's something that just exists. Um, the rate of radioactive decay is also an example of a causal phenomena. But at the other end of the spectrum, you have um, examples of meaningful coincidences, so things that have actual meaning to to the people. That The thing about meaning that was so interesting when I was studying this and what, what Jung was proposing This is what's really radical about his synchronicity proposal is that meaning there is something that he described as objective meaning, meaning that indicating that there is something, there seems to be something like meaning that exists outside of human being. Typically, we think of meaning as being something that we make as humans, that we make sense of something, that we think about it and reflect and then construe it for ourselves in a meaningful way. And what Jung was saying is, yes, we do do that. That is true. That does exist. But it appears that there is something like meaning that exists in the universe a priori, that that exists apart from human being and human meaning making. And it appears in the form of patterns and resonances and um you know, it's a mystery. It's something that I'm still learning about and exploring, but I've experienced it. And so that's why this idea resonates with me. It resonates with me because the idea that is random yeah. is, is very unsatisfying. So um, it just doesn't, it doesn't jive with my personal experience of reality. And so I really like this idea of objective meaning. And I did, I did my doctoral research on it, and I was blown away Wow, that People brought. yeah. It was just, it was just astounding. And afterwards, I thought, well, how? It's it's something real. When you're faced with it, you you're faced with the immense reality of it, and and it doesn't go away. You know, it's not like a fleeting thought or that reality has that face, and it's worth exploring.
2: It's, uh, you know, and it's really true. Sometimes there's a, you know, there's little uh, coincidences throughout the day. And then I have found that some of my, uh, let's talk about the meaning of this. It's like uh, the force of prayer and of, let's say, uh, I had a very uh, positive intention. Uh, It's when I was with my husband. He uh, uh, had been in, Exposed to Agent Orange, you know, so now he had not Hodgkin's lymphoma or anything. But I went to war, you know, with uh, our our government because back then they weren't addressing any of this for the Vietnam veterans. So Mm. uh, I fought really hard and I wrote the newspaper and I got a lot of people on my side. uh, And uh, they actually did help pass a bill through Congress and now that's why everybody gets their money. But anyway... So that's the context we're in, and then my husband was very really sick, taking chemo. But this particular day, he's going to try to go dig up some work somewhere. He's a uh, plumber and pipe fitter now, but then he was a plumber. But anyway, uh, so he was looking at me, and I—he uh, was angry. He was yelling. You know, we haven't got anything. Look at this eighteen. He kind of threw the paper at me, and it was like nine dollars and forty-seven cents. I said, "Yeah," I said, "I know there's only fun. I know that," and he said, "Well." You know, why aren't you more upset? What's going on? He's saying so much of stuff to me and uh being very rude. But anyway, so I started praying and I was I kept my eyes open looking at him, but I was actually praying. And I mm-hmm. told God I told God this. I said, God, you know, this is a lot to ask, you know, on such a short notice, but uh could you please put the money in the bank, you know, so uh he can believe that you exist. That's what I said. So mm-hmm. get, so. Meanwhile, well, I'm silent on my part. He slams out the door, and then he comes back. Nine, ten, eleven. I guess it was an hour later, and uh, because the time is on the ATM slip, I had I had both these slips. By the way, still. Anyway, mm-hmm. the new, He said, "Look at this," and I looked at it, and it said twenty-seven thousand five hundred something. something went, Oh my God! I said, "Well, thanks, God." First of all. But I had a dream <laughs> the night before that there was this uh-huh. weird, funny money, like with eagles on it, f- just floating in the sky and floating down like snow. And wow. uh, I asked him about that. I, he, I said, "He said that's weird. You say that because they didn't give us real money. They gave us what we call chips. So they they spend uh-huh. chips. It's like army Monopoly money or something. But I had dreamt that oh. the night before. So what wow. do you think was set in motion here? <laughs> well, I
0: don't, I don't know for sure, but you know, I, I have found that dreams very often do do bring us information about the future, and um, you know, it's not the kind of thing where, that you can manipulate or or benefit no. from necessarily. You know, it happens, and when it happens, it's by God's grace, kind of thing. You know. And yeah. you just say, thank you. And you look at it and, but um, it's, 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 so I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Um, yeah. It's the psyche, you know, the psyche that's that's at work and the psyche that we're relating to and you can call it God and you can pray uh, and that, but you're, you're, it seems to be, we're communicating with what Jung called the psyche and what he meant by the psyche was everything to do with consciousness and the unconscious. So there are three, la- three levels to the psyche. There's consciousness, and, and the vehicle of consciousness is the ego. And in, this, in Jung's um, conception, the ego is a very healthy, um, necessary aspect of psyche. You need a very healthy ego that's well-formed and well-developed in order to, uh, navigate consciousness. Um, and I'm making that distinction between the way Jung used the term ego and the way that, um, Eastern religions use the term ego there. It's more, um, like selfishness or, you know, self-centeredness. That's what they mean by ego. They're not talking about the same thing at all. So in Jungian psychology really need a strong, healthy ego because that's what carries you through life in the, realm of consciousness so that's the top level and then beneath that is the personal unconscious which consists of everything we ever once knew but forgot everything that ever made it into consciousness but wasn't able to remain there either it was traumatic and it got suppressed or you know whatever reason and then beneath that is the layer of the collective unconscious the personal unconscious is individual The collective unconscious is collective and shared by everybody. It's the same for everybody. And this makes up the totality of the psyche, but it's not like there is some static, you know, levels of being. It's a dynamic, intelligent, alive system. And so, excuse me, and psyche... Is outside of time it knows the future it knows the past it knows everything mm-hmm. in the universe it's the ground of all being and so and the collective unconscious is the ground of all being everything comes from that so i feel so this is you know this is me interpreting this whole system um if something if something is in your fate it seems that we come here for a reason. We come into life for a purpose. We come to do something or to be something or to effect something. And if, if what you need to do that is part of your fate, you will have it and it'll come to you. And if you're out of alignment with that, it it doesn't happen that easily. I mean, you, you, you're allowed to go off and do things, but you, you won't get very far. It seems this is, this is what it seems to me. What it's it's very interesting.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. So, uh what is the implication of this? You know, how relevant is uh, you know, delving to this matter today?
0: Um so what would I what I feel for me what was really what was really life-saving um was the idea that there is something more meaningful that, that the life in reality is not just random. There may be random things that happen. Um, It just seems that, that a lot of people suffer from that idea. And then when you, so for example, there was a time when people didn't think animals had any kind of intelligence, you know, and certainly that was before the days of YouTube when everybody could see how intelligent they are and how, how much personality they have, and how much they are capable of interacting with you. Um, And that really has changed, I think, a lot of scientists' perceptions of animal intelligence. But, you know, back 100 years ago, 200 years ago, people, even 50 years ago, people did, I guess even now, people did really abhorrent things to animals, thinking Mm -hmm. that they really couldn't know, they really didn't know. And whenever you treat something like, Like it's, it's nothing or it's, it, it doesn't, you know, it's not going to matter or it doesn't have intelligence or it can't feel it reduces it and it makes it less and it makes us less too. And so there's this, there's this awakening that's going on, this gradual awakening that's happening where people are realizing, no, we can't do that anymore. We can't do that to the planet. We can't do that to animals. We can't do that to each other. And as part of this awakening, I think there's this idea that, you know, even who we are and what we're doing in the world has has a reason. It's not just random. Now, I don't think it's it has a reason in the way that I think people possible to trivialize that idea. And that's part of the backlash. So, I mean, scientists make fun of those of us who believe in meaning and say, you know, come on, everything is not meaningful. Everything is not the hand of God. Everything is, you know, it's a little woo woo and it's a little crazy. And I get that. I, sometimes people do take it too far and people can even take it so far as to say, as to believe that, you know, their personal development is the, you, the whole universe supports their personal development in the way that they want it. But that right there is kind of an ego trip. And the universe isn't trying to support your ego. The universe is trying to support your fate. And ego consciousness is the, is the one that serves that rather than is the object of it. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, it does. It, it makes sense to me because um, things do exist outside of our knowledge. And I do, uh, and and let's say if you've never been to Australia, you've only seen pictures of it. You can only say, okay, I believe that Australia is over there. However, I haven't seen it with my own two eyes yet. Everybody agrees on that it's there, right? And then other people think it's I don't see it. It's not there. But uh, I don't think I think sometimes these people even miss the synchronicity of things. I know, I asked somebody one time Of like a, Know uh, about dreaming And what do you believe Your belief system And they said No I never dream I said okay You do dream But you're forgetting You know Because everybody dreams I said That's okay. part of our Brain processing at night And that's what I said, I said Well It's your brain processing At night But when uh, Things happen In such an order As it seems Either divinely intended Or it's fate Or it's A uh, whatever, but a lot of people just say, well, that's just, you know, fate. I can't stop it. It's just happening randomly. That's not what I believe, though. I don't believe it's like a random thing.
0: Yeah. um say, You know, dismissing um, something that happens Yes. That's what as I'm random. About. It, yeah, dismissing something that happens as random is, it tends to reduce it, um, and it makes it easier to dismiss it, and um, you're really squelching some part of reality. And, you know, of course, it can be overwhelming to feel everything fully that we experience. That can be overwhelming. And so it may be necessary to forget some parts and, and they fall into the unconscious, you know, into our personal unconscious. And, um, and then, but, but then what happens uh, is that we'll remember them in dreams if that was something that was important to our, to our development. So that actually is um, in Jung 's conception of one of the functions of dreams um, the dream uh, there's a dialogue between let me back up so the psyche is concerned with wholeness, our wholeness, and the ego is the one that has to be kind of educated and developed in into a more whole individual, and that process of the ego becoming more whole, Jung called individuation. So that's the individuation process. And it's a process of taking apart and putting back together, taking apart and putting back together. It doesn't happen all at once. It happens in, you know, many, many times over and over again, where you're taken apart and you're put back together. And that's a transformation transformational cycle where you where things fall apart and then they you know, you reach a, a level of proficiency and now you're ready for the next stage. So the old, old way has to fall apart and prepare, make way for the new way, the new level of being. And in that way, we all grow and develop and evolve. And through that process, the psyche informs the ego using dreams. So that that dialogue between ego and psyche happens through dreams. And there's um, Jung called that compensation. So there's one aspect of dreams that is compensatory. So if the ego is acting in a way that's out of line with its fate, then you'll get a dream to give you a message saying, "Oh, too much this you're doing being too much this way or not enough like this or you're being a jackass or, you know, something like that or you you're being too humble." You know, sometimes you can get a message like that. And so dreams can be a really helpful vehicle for developing our consciousness if we learn how to pay attention. They don't speak in English or a language like that. They speak in the language of symbols. And so it's really important to learn the language of symbols, to learn, you can learn it from fairy tales, you can learn it from mythology. You know, you just step back and pay attention. And it take, it's a process, but it's a very rewarding one. Well, since you, since you got into all this topic,
2: how does your family... Uh, f- feel about your success and um how you've developed as a human I, cause I I just think uh you have done so many things and so many you know wonderful things are ahead how uh did your family feel about everything that's happened
0: <laughs> well they're they're um I think they probably don't know many of the things that i'm interested in um i I do have mm-hmm. some cousins who are who love me and are very proud of me, but I'm love them and are very proud of them and, and I'm very proud of them as well. Um my parents for the most part don't know what I do in my work. Um they understood aerospace engineering. Um this yeah. work is a little harder to understand. So you know, like many families, your family doesn't necessarily know. <laughs> but it's okay.
2: Um. Well, true, you know, it's okay because, you know, we we really are, you know, uh, an individual upon the planet, and of course we affect a lot of people, and sometimes I think the the parents could be really like concrete, you know, this is the way this is, they don't like anything, they're almost like uh, scientists that are super brainiacs, but don't have uh, the faith part of it, and... You know, it's like then they want to see it, see you do this, this and that. But I did ask a author about it one time. I said, you know, did your family read your books? And she written fifteen. No, she doesn't <laughs> even know if the, even she doesn't even know if uh, you know her grandchildren were will. You know, I'm I'm sure there's one person in somebody's family that'll uh, give them credit. You know, what I mean, but that that is hard to come by. And I think even that part is kind of acting out some weird drama that uh you know, because it's your <laughs> hard to articulate this, but you know, I I am almost done with my book, you know. We're in the edit phase and uh you know, I it felt like, been. you know, I don't think my you, I don't think my family's gonna read this. <laughs> right.
0: Right. And you've yeah. gotta be
2: okay with it. 'Cause yeah. you you know because yeah, what 'cause a- what you're doing Because what you're doing is, I feel like in in with all your everything, you actually found your your place, you also found your purpose, and you also found your people.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And it's okay if they don't, um, because they serve a different role in my life. They loved me and supported me and helped me get to be where I am today. And, And whether or not that's a place that they understand is, is, kind of immaterial it would be nice but it's not necessary i i love them they've been so great to me and you know even the challenges the things that didn't go the way i'd hoped i learned a lot from that too you know i can say that say that now at the time it felt you know disastrous like oh my gosh this is so unfair whatever it was but i've i've had a really good life so i'm very very lucky and i um i i I would never complain. I I've, I've had my family is very loving. So um nice. it that makes up for a lot of a lot of ills, you know. Um having that kind of love in in your life is is so it just makes up for anything else, any other shortcoming. So I do feel hmm. very lucky and I'm older now. I mean, you know, it's like I'm I'm grappling with okay, I I have a finite amount of time left in the world and what do I want to do, you know? and even me coming to this place that wasn't that wasn't necessarily by choice uh, life kind of brought me here and said well you're not going to do this what you were doing before you're not going to do that anymore and it wasn't for lack of trying i tried to keep doing what i'd been doing i just i just wasn't getting hired there you know so it's like well i'm going to have to move into the things that i love to do and see if i i can i can make a place for myself in the world in this other area And it's been like a miracle, you know, um, how it's unfolded and the journey that it's put me on. I I feel so lucky. And to get to work with this material that has brought so much meaning to me in my my life, I I feel very fortunate. Um, It's been really totally
2: agree. I I agree with you because it's very unusual. It's never boring. It's exciting. You know what I mean? It's creative and it feeds your soul. It's... uh, it's yeah. not dry at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it it pulls together a lot of things that I had to let go. So, you know, when I was growing up, hmm. I I liked stories. I liked fairy tales. I liked, you know, um I liked fantasy. I had a very vivid imagination and um as I grew up and got older, I I felt that that had to fall away. Um and they were it was magical. I felt like some of that magic had to fall away. And then when I started, started studying synchronicity and the way that it uh, appeared in people's lives and the kind of change that it affected, the kind of transformation that it affected in people's lives, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is better than any fairy tale I've ever read, ever. I mean, it was just so mm-hmm. much better. The What's real with what the reality is so much better than the, the fairy tales and stories that we tell about it. I I just was really blown away. and. Um, even though, you know, life can get bogged down and it can be tedious sometimes, there's still d- against it, this background of wonder. And uh, yeah. I I never feel bored now because I always, I'm trying to understand this phenomenon and trying to um, figure out how, how it works together. You know, the non-duality, the duality, the apparent duality of reality, that's what, you know, it just, I'm just, it just, Something I'm always thinking about
2: yeah it's you know it becomes evident uh how one person thinks and has a different worldview than the next, because you can ask people something that you take it for granted every day, and they will say i don't I, I don't ever see that, I, I didn't know that, or uh it could be some kind of miraculous thing that's going on, and they don't really see it. It's like they're blind to a certain thing that's happening. There's many of us that agree on it that there's some shift happening in the world that people are getting more open-minded and curious and uh, there's an attraction towards each other and things like that, you know. But then there's others that are saying that they have never given that a thought. And it just makes me wonder, you know, what's going on here? There's the enlightened ones, there's some that don't care, and then there's other (laughs) ones that uh, don't experience any of that
0: yeah yeah and I don't know how all of that plays out. you know how the collective plays out, and how mm-hmm. um how conscious consciousness moves through the collective um, There are things that we can see from history, and um you know, for example, I was in aerospace, and in the in the relatively short time that i was it was almost three decades, but in that time, you could see how at the beginning of my career, um, the idea of weapons and defense had to do with really offensive weapon systems. So things like the Star Wars shield, the um, the Peacekeeper, the so-called Peacekeeper missile, which had which had ten nuclear warheads on it and room for twelve actually, but there were ten, and you know something that could have such potential for Complete destruction. Um, that was the idea back in the early '80s, and then by the time the '90s rolled around, there was this evolution of consciousness within that industry, where they were saying, "Okay, you know, this is too great a risk. Let's move to defensive weapon systems. So now we're just going to be protecting ourselves rather than trying to attack other countries. Um, so we'll we'll try to take out whatever weapons." other countries are shooting at us and that was something that um you know that was that had bipartisan support and so even just in that time you could see this movement uh, of consciousness away from complete destructive uh weaponry to something less destructive and so i don't know i don't know what's happening i think i think there is there are more people now than ever before who are interested in consciousness and the way that it is evolving and in things like synchronicity and um, the way this can impact our experience. Um, And at the same time, there's often a, a huge backlash, you know, so nothing happens without a consequence. And even the thrust towards consciousness within an individual, out of the unconscious, there can be tremendous resistance even though the unconscious wants to be unconscious, there's this tremendous pull backwards, you know? And so it's this process where, you know, something tries to come into consciousness and then it gets sucked back down and then tries again. And then when the time is ready, then it makes it, makes it forward. And it's like a triumph every time something makes it out of the unconscious into consciousness. And the same thing happens at the collective level, you know? So when, when we really get something, we get it. It doesn't, it may not mean we get it for all time. We may, it may go back down. Um, but there overall, you can see this forward thrust, this forward movement in consciousness. And it's, it's mysterious how it works. And it's really fascinating too.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a for a lifetime, you know, I don't see, you know, any of us that are into this getting over it anytime soon. You know, we're just uh, in it, and we've <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've wrapped our life around it, and it makes so much meaning, you know, to everything. And uh, I'm really glad you're doing this work, you know, because we need to get that input in somebody that's really able to focus and uh, and give us the explanation, you know, give the explanations to the rest of us, really. But you know, you had a turn here that uh, I was interested in finding out what this means. What is a uh, you know, uh, you offer uh, complexity workshops to groups. Now, what is that about, the complexity?
0: So complexity, so in the research that I did for my um, doctoral dissertation, I was looking at the phenomenon of synchronicity through the lens of complexity science. And complexity science has to do with network relationships and network effects. So, for example, if you have – have a couple ants I'll use ants as an example if you have a couple ants doing something you don't really have a network but the power of ants you know and a couple ants they they're fairly simple creatures or apparently simple creatures um but when you get a whole bunch of ants together you know thousands of thousands of ants together that belong in that in that nest they are networked in a way you know they are differentiated they have they, you know, different ants have different tasks, and and these capabilities seem to be emergent. So it's not like there's a leader that tells, okay, you ants, you're going to go, you're going to go forage for food, and you ants, you're going to take care of the queen, and you ants, you're going to do take care of waste. It's it's something that kind of happens. So if you have a couple ants and they come across a gap in the food system, for example, they they don't need a leader to tell them how to organize to to bridge that gap with their bodies they just spontaneously start doing it as more and more ants show up they'll start to bridge the gap and then you have a you have a way to get across to the food um that's kind of the that that's kind of a main idea in complexity so when people you know we're going about our lives but we're interconnected in a way too and especially now with the internet and all the technology that we have, the technological capability, the the humanity is connected and interconnected in a way that we never have been before. And there are, there are, and that, those relationships are called, are complex. And so that, that study of all of that, the interrelationships and the compound effects and the, the emergent phenomena that come out of that is known as complexity. I don't know that I've done it justice just then, but that, uh, so the workshops that I give, I, I'm, my yes. background is really, um, largely systems. And um, so I was a systems engineer and studied systems thinking and system dynamics. And, um, and so I, I like studying complex systems and that, the way that our interactions have have this networked effect capability is really interesting to me. And um, dynamic natural systems, living systems, all exhibit these properties. It's almost like we have h- hidden within us this code, this hidden code that's just waiting for us to be highly networked for all these uh, networked, uh, I'm sorry, all these complex uh Behaviors to emerge, things that we would never even guess. And so, um, basically, what I do is I, I just help give workshops where I'm trying to help people understand that these are real properties. So when you when you get a group of people together, even though you might seem small, if you have a if you're networked appropriately, you can have a really big impact, um, especially in today's yeah. world. So I don't know that yeah, I think it's I, all
2: about it really think right. about it. Excuse me. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the world is is, is dynamic and, and kind of alive, you know. Um, some people call it like the hive mind, you know, what you get when you have all these interconnected uh, people around the world or interconnected organizations. You just get the it, – it's like it takes on other dimensions of aliveness that we probably haven't even tapped yet.
2: Well, what is what was your hallmark uh, change, and how did you uh, specifically uh, get into this, and uh, uh, what's one of your big, big uh, moments, let's say?
0: Like a synchronicity, one of the big synchronicities yes. that happened for me? Um, yeah. Well, so this is a big synchronicity that happened to me, but it wasn't necessarily, uh, it didn't, my life didn't, well, my life did change, but I didn't then leave engineering to study synchronicity. But um, when I was, I, and actually, you know, a lot of people find that um, their lives will go, you know, I was saying how we develop through stages of transformation and there's a falling apart and a coming together and so I was in one of the falling apart stages where I, I was not working at the time. And I had been, I had been unable to find work for a while. And I was reexamining my life and, um, I was single and I had never been married and I had you know dated several men before. And I would, I really wanted to find, um, a partner, a life partner, but I was, you know, older and not really having much luck. And, um, And I felt there, you know, and I had just discovered the Jung organization and I went and I I was interested in Jung's ideas on alchemy. They were, I had read a little bit about it. They were intractable to me. I couldn't couldn't figure them out. And at the annual Jung conference, they had, it was all about alchemy. So I thought, oh, great, I'll go and I'll hear it and maybe I'll understand something. And when I went there, there was a, a, I went to hear one particular man, And um, he didn't quite discuss all the things that I'd hoped he would, you know. And I I felt felt like I didn't. But I felt really impressed that I should talk to him and connect with him somehow. And um, after the lecture, he came up and said, you know, I I didn't get to meet you. What, you know, tell me about yourself. And I was saying, well, I'd really like to know more about this material. Well, he said, well, let's have coffee sometime. And I said, okay. So then I had this dream that, I was getting married and I was really happy and I'd had a lot of bad marriage dreams. And so I was really surprised to have this good marriage dream. I thought, well, who am I marrying that I'm so happy? And it was, it was the lecturer. I thought, well, that's terrible. I don't know him and you know, I'm not interested. And um, I was really a little appalled, let's say, well, he, um, but I thought, you know, dreams could mean many things. Maybe we'll collaborate in some way. Maybe he'll have an answer to my job search. And that's really what I thought. Well, he, um, we, we, went for co- he, we didn't go for coffee. He called and said, let's have dinner instead. And then he said, let's make it on Saturday night. And so it turned into a date, and we started dating, and he's my husband now. And the yeah. dream turned out to be literally true, and it was a foreshadowing of, of our life together. And, it was, and the thing is, about that year, that particular year, it was a very, very hard year. Um, financially, job-wise, in terms of my identity and my feelings about who I was and who I, I was supposed to be. Every, I kept a dream journal, and almost every dream that I had that year, ev- almost every dream in that journal came literally true. I even had a dream um, before this wedding dream. I dreamt about meeting a young woman uh, who who people were telling me was my daughter, and I described her and wrote it down in my dream journal. And that turned out to be my husband's daughter. And oh my God. I hadn't even met him yet, you know. So when I found the journal uh, some years later and I read it to my stepdaughter, she said, oh, my gosh, that's me. You dreamt about me. So it's really remarkable. Um, I really encourage people to to make the effort to to engage the dream dialogue because it's so rich and, and so beneficial.
2: It is Now, do you, uh, do you need to take a break right now? We're at the we're at the uh 55 minutes to, to go. Do you want to take yes, a break? Yes, I
0: could I could take, yes, I could take a break and I'll be right back.
2: Okay, take a break. All right. Hi everybody. Uh we're going to take a just short break and I'm trying to pick a song out here for you and I want to thank everybody that's listening and everything everybody that's also it was in chat, and then it seemed like uh, there was a, people got dropped a little bit. So just uh, clear your cache, reboot your computer, and uh, step right back in. And then uh, let's see what kind of needs to kind of play for you all. Well, you know, um, I love that landslide. So let's see. Let's try this one. It's a little bit of disco. Hold on a minute, people. Thank you. Okay, I'm back and I'm going to answer the the call and see who's on here. That's for air code 201. Uh, You're live with the Paranormal Sacred. What's up? What's up?
1: Hi. I was just just reading your show. This is is Hadassah. I was just reading your show and, um, you know, the description of the show. And I wanted to call in because, um, like, the past year, I have been dealing with a which, number. Which your Jack- yep. What's your
2: first name? What's your first name, please? Hadassah.
1: Jackie. Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Jackie. i Yeah. a Yeah. Um, I've been seeing, like, numbers 1111 11, or 111. And then I get, like, triple, triple numbers. And I know that the universe is trying to lead me to another place. I'm just not exactly sure. Either doubt will settle in. Um, I just want to see if you can pick up anything in the area of, like, my next move in terms hmm. of I, I'm ready to change.
2: Okay. Hold on a minute because I'm not sure this is, like, appropriate question for tonight because we have to stick around talking about synchronicity. And I think numbers do come up a lot, but I'm gonna ask our guest speaker. I think she might be online again. Cynthia, are you online? Yeah. Okay. Hi.
3: I am. Okay, I so, am.
2: so Jackie, where are you from?
1: Well, I was born in the UK, but I live in New Jersey.
2: Okay, okay. So she has a question for you. Go okay, ahead, um
0: I I did hear what you were saying, Jackie, and um, numbers do p- figure very largely in synchronicity a lot of times. As to their meaning, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't be able to tell you, you know, without knowing you. Or uh, it's mm-hmm. it's really something that. But there are ways that you can you can work with it and come to an understanding what that means. Um, one way is to do. You, do you remember your dreams, Jackie? Jackie?
1: I used to have very vivid dreams. I lost my mother five years ago, and all of a sudden I stopped dreaming. I would just get pieces mm. of it and mm. It's just recently okay. that i'm start I'm starting to remember just parts of the dream where you know i I know that I had a dream and I might just remember like one little piece of it right
0: right well it's it's um so what I would recommend uh the the way that I like to work with synchronicities and dreams is to renew that that dialogue between yourself and your dreams. So, you mm-hmm. know, and you can start small. As you're going to sleep at night, you can say, I would like to remember my dreams. Because mm-hmm. it seems like psyche is obviously trying to tell you something and you want to be you want to make yourself available to whatever that message is. And to do that you have to start Speaking her language or at least trying to understand her language. And, mm-hmm. you know, just it's not necessarily the same language for everybody. So she's speaking to you in a certain way. The numbers will have certain significance for you in a certain way. And there may be an objective meaning. There may be a meaning that, um, that is a general meaning, but there will be mm-hmm. a specific component of that message for you particularly. So you want to um, you want to develop that relationship again. And so you can do that by starting to remember little bits of dreams. You can start to record them. You can honor them that way. That way she knows that you're paying attention. I'm calling her she. Um, I'm calling Psyche she because that's how it feels to me, but it could appear any way to you. Um, mm-hmm. It's the giver of your dreams. And so I would recommend that you, excuse me, start to even if you just get a snippet, write down that little snippet. Um, make time in the morning when you're waking up so that you're not rushing out. You know, don't set an alarm. I find that alarms can, um, you know, setting the alarm can, can pop a dream right out of my head, and I, I'll suddenly be consumed with the, with the uh, challenges of the day or whatever I have to do, all my chores and deadlines. And if I do that, then I'll won't remember my dreams. But let yourself linger in that dream space a little bit when you first wake up. Even if you think you didn't have any dreams, that's okay. Just let yourself lie in bed for a few moments and just let your mind be in that kind of twilight state. Um, And also when you're falling asleep, if you can go to bed a little bit early and not um, be so exhausted that you just crash, let yourself lie down and lie down for a few minutes before you're falling asleep so that you're in that kind of... Um, twilight state and you just be thinking about how you would like to reconnect with your dream. And as you start to slowly do that, you'll, you'll find yourself remembering more and more dreams. I often find that um, I'll remember just a snippet of a dream. And if I let myself stay with that snippet, it often leads backwards into the rest of the dream. And I can follow it like a, like it's almost like catching the tail of the tiger and the tail yeah. leading you to the whole rest of the tiger, you know. And so let yourself do that. Let yourself play with it. Um, she's obviously trying. It sounds obvious to me that she's trying to communicate with you. And, mm-hmm. you know, make yourself available to what she has to say. Small, And you can say, look, I'm just starting up again. Let's start small. And, um, you know, sometimes I've found that um, dream messages can be frightening or threatening and you can say to her, that was scary. Uh, can you say the same message in a different, less scary way? Um, and mm-hmm. she will. Um, there are all kinds of things that you can do, but the, maybe the most important thing is to think of it as a dialogue between you and the giver of dreams. And, and you know, that's a really good way to start. Um, I also do this work in my practice. So I work with people and work with their dreams. So, you know, anybody who's interested, you can contact me. for. A, um, I do a free 30-minute consultation, and then, you know, we figure out. Most of my clients are are virtual, so I do it either through Skype or through um, other meeting formats or on the phone. So if you're interested in that, you know, I'll be happy to talk to you about that. But this is a good way. You don't have to meet with me. This is a good way to start, um, you know, uh reconnecting with your dreams and starting that dialogue again it's just, it's she will give you the answers that you need and then if you find that you you need help with some of that interpretation then you can look for help beyond that
1: okay cuz okay. i i really been trying to do the inner work
0: yeah just to
1: yeah. be able to tap into you know it's the abilities that I knew I once had. I just didn't realize that it was – I didn't realize the importance of it until it started to disappear, and I couldn't
0: remember. Right, Hmm. and so actually there's a wonderful book called um, Inner Work by Robert Johnson. Um, You can look it up. Uh, It's available on Amazon. It's not – I think it's maybe $11 or I don't know offhand, but it's just a little book, and he writes beautifully and simply – and he offers a way to work with your dreams he offers a way so even when you have a dream and there's um there are dream characters you can even mm-hmm. have a dialogue with the dream characters you can um put yourself in a kind of a meditative state and then go back into the dream and you can how ha- you can talk to the dream characters and say what you know you said this in the dream can you help me understand what you meant um it sounds at first when you're first doing it, it feels like play fantasy, it feels like you're making it up, but after okay. a while you start to you start to get a feeling for the autonomous nature of the dream characters that they're not something coming out of your conscious mind that there's there they are real energies that exist in your in in the unconscious and um. So there are all kinds of things that you can do and I find that his book, Inner Book Inner Work, is a really good book. Um and there there are a lot of others from um the shamanic work that I do. Robert Moss has a great has lots of great books, but one of his books that I is my favorite is called Dream Gates. That's another book that's and as you read these other these books and they they um outline different ways of working with dreams you'll start to find your own style, you know, and your own way of working with dreams. You said his name was Robert who? Johnson. So the first book, the first book that I mentioned is Robert Johnson called okay. Inner Work. And the second book I mentioned is Robert Moss, M-O-S-S, and that's called Dream Gates. And he, Robert Moss has tons of other books. So, you, you know, any of his books will, will probably be helpful.
2: Begin that journey, Jackie. Sounds great to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, good luck. You know, just start writing life. and just start, And when she says honor, just start getting your journal out and getting all your stuff ready to go on this next adventure to find out, you know, the questions you have. And get the answers to them.
0: Absolutely. Well said, Char.
2: Okay, miss. Jackie? Or...
0: Yes, I'm here. Another phone is ringing. Okay.
2: Okay. Go ahead and <laughs> go in. Uh just get those books and start on your journey, okay?
1: Okay, thank you so much.
2: Okay, take care, Jackie. You're welcome. Okay, bye bye. Okay, bye. So you know that's really interesting is that I, I have the uh, the repetitions that are showing up, and I really haven't been paying attention too much to it because everybody's saying eleven, eleven, or other uh-huh. numbers and everything, and all of a sudden, since I haven't been paying attention. And when people say it, it, did, it didn't really mean much to me. You know what I mean? So yeah, then all of yeah. a sudden, 444 shows up. Every time I look at the clock, it's 444. <laughs> and then my another number that shows up is 711. 444, oh, really? 711. All the time. And I'm thinking, now I know why everybody's going crazy over this number thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's and weird, the cause I was, mysterious. Very yeah, that's mysterious. really mysterious. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's one happening thing to that, me now. Go well, ahead. and I've noticed I've noticed the eleven eleven thing quite a bit, and I also my birthday is eleven twenty six, and I inevitably you know once a day I look at the clock and it's eleven twenty six on the dot, and it's so weird. It's why? Why does that even matter? It's just a it's a number that's relevant to me, and in this in this regard, it sounds like maybe numerology might hold some answers. Um, you know, and and people could certainly look into that if they're if they're interested but i i i mean i know a little bit about numerology and that doesn't quite answer it all for me i still don't understand what the significance of of uh the Repeating repetitive numbers. number yeah. yeah um i'm yeah, telling yeah, you know how long that's... everybody's
2: been doing this forever and I've all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. it meant something to me but i don't know why so all the fine i i thought well 11 is pretty lucky and then the 444 who knows but anyway uh yeah uh, then, and anybody that wants to uh, see you for a private consultation, and you just offered Jackie a free half hour, um, where can she find yeah. you at? So uh,
0: you can go to my website. You can go to my website, Com, and that's Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A, Cavalli is C-A-V as Victor, A-L-L-I, Consulting.com, and then there's a, a form on there you can fill out, or you can email me at Cynthia Cavalli Consulting at Outlook.com. Um, you know, any of those ways will work, and you can let me know what you would like to talk about. We can what works for you in terms of times, and we can set up a, a times and medium. So if the phone works, or if a, a Skype or WebEx works, or you know, what, what meeting format works for you. Um, and you can just let me know that way, and you know we can take it from there, find out if um if if we could work together if if something some of my approaches might be helpful to you, that would be great um, great, okay, okay, so uh thank you caller and uh
2: what are some of the biggest misconceptions about synchronicity?
0: I, the, what I've found is that a lot of people confuse it with the law of attraction. And um, I think the law of attraction is is probably related in some way. I think the confusion happens around the role of ego. And so in Jung's framework, ego is the servant of the self, the servant of psyche. Ego is the vehicle of consciousness. So psyche and the unconscious want To become conscious, they need the ego to become conscious. However, um, ego needs to be developed and shaped and um, evolved, and so so this dialogue between ego and the self, or ego and psyche, is part of that process of of evolving the the ego and help making the ego um, more whole. and what happened in, with respect to the law of attraction is that people will, will, will become consumed by ego concerns. So they think that, that the things that happen, they, they set intentions for the things that they want in their life and they can get off on material things. And all of that is the realm of ego and not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that, that, but that may not be what that person came into the world to do. Or ha- maybe you didn't come in to be this wealthy person with fancy cars. I mean, that is that seems like an ego trip. It seems more likely that the soul came in wanting to, to have a certain kind of experience or to grow in a certain way. Now, that doesn't mean you can't also have fancy cars in a big mansion It just, you know, so I think some people can have that and that's part of their journey. But for other people, their journey may be more about soul work or connecting to people or helping people. And if that's the case, then you're just getting sidetracked by all these other things. So the law of attraction is really about um, what, if you look at the ancient writings, is about called the sympathy of all things and how things like to come together and in that respect, it, it is related to synchronicity. Synchronicity uh, is, if you look at some of the ancient writings, they didn't have that word synchronicity, but they talk about the sympathy of all things. Um, even the Tao, you can, you can, the Tao Te Ching, and it talks about the Tao as the great mother um, through which all things come and through which all things happen and how the Tao accomplishes the universe's work by you know she does nothing and yet she does everything um that's more in line with the idea of synchronicity it's the it's it's a doing thing it's a thing that accomplishes things by doing nothing it does nothing but it acts on everything and that so that to me is a very mysterious statement but when i think about it then i then i get a feeling about how synchronicity works it works in the background and it shapes things and pushes things together yeah. influences uh, yes right right and it draws yes. it draws a like by like but it's a, it's different than the way the law of attraction is commonly used to set intentions and get things we want that's a very ego driven thing and that gets you off on the wrong track
3: well, or what's
0: can. the most radical thing that you've discovered about synchronicity? Well, the most radical thing about synchronicity is this idea of objective meaning. And it was radical. So maybe some people don't find it that radical. But to me, it blew my mind because the idea that there was something meaning in the world apart from human beings, that was a really radical idea to me, um, especially coming from the arena of science where things are considered random um and even now i mean i don't talk about it to my science my scientific friends because they would think i was just bonkers but um it's really remarkable uh and even young struggled with it and he said you know if meaning is too anthropomorphic a term you can use the term equivalent if you will um and now I'm blanking on this other guy's name, but he proposed the term salience um, instead mm-hmm. of equivalence or meaning. But there is this kind of resonance um, in nature, and you can find it in pattern. It can show up in patterns. It can show up in symbolic themes. It can show up in numbers. That, that is a prime example. And we don't always know what it means. And sometimes it's easier to look backwards and see, see what it might mean. But nature—it brings nature alive in a different way, and I think that's really important for us to recognize that nature is alive and dynamic and intelligent and evolving and knows way more than we we know. We're in nature, so when you're within a system, it's very hard to know everything about that system, and I think that's an important thing for us to remember it's important for us to be humble in that way and to recognize that we're part of something so much bigger and that we can learn a lot from it, but we will never own it or rule it or control right. it. I think it's really important for for us, especially we have a lot of scientific uh, success um, and technology, but we run the risk of hubris, and this is this is something that keeps us in our place, but in the magic of it, you know, so that we're participating in an appropriate relationship, and I think that's why it's really important.
2: It is. Uh, Steven Spielberg, I think, is just was talking about it in his movie Avatar. I think he was trying yeah. to honor how the plant life and how it all interconnected, you know, literally, and how the uh, the beautiful way that he portrayed the, you know, how we're all connected. In that and that there's hope and to me There's hope in what you're saying You know it isn't always yeah. counting on me To do it all or make it all right You know it is working To make it right anyway You know but, Right something right like that. But It's hard to articulate but anyway I have a personal question for you What are the 10 signs That you're an Individual you have Individuated <laughs> as, as far as the as far as young would would think that was.
0: Well, I don't know that that you ever really get there. I mean, you know Yeah. That, that's, that's funny. And I don't know that, that I could um enumerate
2: What's a ten sure signs sign of it. individuation. <laughs>
0: but I'll tell you what I'll tell you what the process okay. looks like and you know okay. I mean I, I kind of described it. It, it's, a, it's a falling apart and a coming together. You know, it's a taking apart and bringing back together. It's an analysis and synthesis. And it's, that, it's an endless cycle of that. And the alchemists had a, had a recipe for that. They had a phrase for it and they called it salve et coagula. And that's this whole process. It's like the basic pattern of transformation where you take something apart and you put it back together every time it comes back together, it's more than it was before. It's a, it's a more whole thing. It's a, it's at a greater, it's at a higher level than it was before, but it still comes apart. And, you know, for you going through that process, the coming apart feels horrific and the coming together feels amazing. You know Um, maybe not all the time and maybe it, it takes place in different degrees, but I've experienced that pattern many times in my life. And, when things are falling apart, it feels, it feels like, it feels like death. It feels like, Oh, what am I going to do? I don't know how I'm going to live my life. I don't know how to make a living. I don't know. Everything is falling apart. And, and it's not guaranteed that you're going to come out of it. You know, when you're in it, you, you might feel like this is the, this is going to be the end of me. I really don't know what to do, but, if you take the long view... Well, that's view, usually
2: the beginning, you know. That's usually yeah. the beginning when it all goes trashed and it's falling apart. And, uh, you know, now you're standing up. Uh, actually, sometimes that's part of how you get rid of your old, old belief system. You have a crash and burn. and And right. uh, you get up the next morning, you are a different person because you no longer right. hang on right. to the things that fell apart.
0: Right, right. And if, if they worked still, you would hang on to them. You know, you would never leave your old life. You would never, you would never progress forward into greater wholeness. And, and um, that falling apart is necessary. And the, the thing about it is transformation. It's in the word, you know, the meaning of the word is that something has been transformed. It hasn't shifted a tiny bit. It has, it's completely changed. It's a radical change. So, um, you know, everything has to fall apart. If it didn't fall apart, you would still keep what you could, and then you wouldn't have as great a transformation. And so every every development, you know, you go through different stages. It's not, I mean, there are greater and lesser transformations. Let's just put it that way. But you know, yeah. if you look at a, if you look at the evolution of a human being from birth to adulthood, or even to, to death you can see all these radical transformations. You know, you have a zygote, you know, the, the, just the egg is the just fertilized and it's yeah. starting to, I mean, that is unrecognizable as the same person that becomes a baby. And the baby is unrecognizable as a teenager and a teenager can be unrecognizable from, from the adult, you know, but you can still see kind of the thread of that person throughout, you know, when the baby is born, And sometimes you meet that person as an adult and you see their baby pictures. You can see similarities. You can see that that might be the same person. But who they are is completely different. Uh, It's a radical transformation that that we go through many, many times in the process of becoming who we are. Um, So the falling apart is necessary. And when it's happening to you, it feels like the end of the world. But if you can can hang in there... um, Something more has a chance to happen, and that 's the hard part though you know, so in my work with people i i I help people navigate those falling apart places by working with dreams and um, you know there are, there are a number of things that you can do, and working with dreams is one of the main things to help navigate that that deep uncertainty that happens. And by the way, that deep uncertainty is necessary. It's necessary to not know. You have to go into the not knowing in order to come out um, transformed. Otherwise it, it's, it's not as, as radical or complete. And, you know, the, the metaphor of the butterfly emerging from the chrysalis is really apt. And if you, if you interrupt the process of metamorphosis for a for a butterfly when it's in the chrysalis stage if you open it up and let light in to that darkness the transformation is a is compromised light is not allowed to enter in it has to happen in that darkness it has to it's essential and only then can the whole thing come come out successfully and it's it's a really apt metaphor because when you're in that darkness if does feel like all is lost or it can um not everybody has has you know sometimes a transformation can be can not feel so dark but i've experienced some dark ones and it can be very very painful
2: oh yeah i've done it plenty of times and each time <laughs> you know just like that the caterpillar sinks you know man it's the end of the world it's the end of the world but it's actually the end of that world so you're right, right. it is exactly. end of the world So now you're waking to a new world. Um, Okay, we have a question. Yeah, see? (laughs) And I have another weird question. Okay, so where were you working? Were you in Southern California when you were working in your place?
0: Yes. Yes, I was.
2: I was making suspicion that you were working with my best friend. I thought, okay, that's (laughs) going to be another weird synchronicity. Did it happen to be near, uh, uh, let's see what street you on let's say near Inglewood Avenue and
0: uh aviation I actually somewhere? worked in Orange I actually worked in Orange County so oh, you I were worked orange in Anaheim. Anaheim. She she's
2: only a part time right okay so yeah, yeah that's I, where my my husband <laughs> works in Anaheim He's an engineer also uh, um, okay, okay here's a question from the there's a question from the gallery how does she define a dream and what do you see happening with us in the dream state okay Where's well
0: mine? there are many There are many different kinds of dreams and uh, I work with many different kinds of dreams. Um, there are spontaneous night dreams that you can have when you're asleep and your brain wave state is, you know, a certain way. Um, that's one, one kind of dream. Um, there's not only one set of brain waves that produce dreams, but there's, you know, REM sleep is, is well known for producing dreams. Um, there's also – you can also have dreams like when you're semi-awake and you're not really in REM sleep, but you're you're kind of awake and you can have dreams there. When you're just falling asleep, you can have dreams there. Sometimes when I'm very tired and I'm um, – I can even be driving and waiting at a red light, for example, and I'll have a quick dream. Jung even thought that maybe we were dreaming all the time. It occurs in a level of consciousness that, that's um, – outshined by waking consciousness which can be very loud so think of it as the sun shining yeah so think of it as the sun shining the stars are shining even if the sun is out we just can't see them because the light of the sun is so bright so our waking consciousness is like that it's so bright that we're that it outshines all the other levels of consciousness that that are still going on in the background so um, it's you know so so it's possible that we're dreaming all the time. Um, and then there's another way that that people work with dreams and that I work with dreams, um, and that's with the shamanic approach where you can – and actually Jung had um, one aspect of this, which he called active imagination. And you can go back into a dream. You can um, recreate the dream setting in your mind, uh, find a quiet place, and then you can go into that place and you can – Revisit the dream characters. revisit the dream landscape. The dream landscape is is often representative of your the landscape of your psyche what's going on in in you emotionally and mentally and and um, that's one way to work with dreams so i don't have a definition of and then when when i when I'm talking about dreams, a lot of people will think that i'm talking about ambitions you know or what it w- wishes you know so what is your dream yeah. in life um which is a different thing entirely so the, you know there are many ways to think about dreams there's not one way to dream and there's not one one way to work with dreams there's many many different ways yeah because
2: people really uh, uh each one of us has our different perspective on what's going on and uh uh, our culture, the way we're bothered to influence this particular symbol in the dream, I, th- I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Or is absolutely. there a an
2: universal and, thing?
0: Well, if there is, I, I mean, I don't know what that is. Um, there are u- universal aspects. I think it's universal that everybody has spontaneous night dreams. That's, that happens regardless, and that's not just people that have them. We know our dogs dream and cats dream because we see them twitching, and they're clearly going somewhere and doing something. Um, I believe anything with a spine, you know, with that skeleton can have dreams. Um, but, uh, you know, so what's happening in those dreams, you know, is their fate similarly structured two hours uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it is um but the the important thing about that that dream consciousness is that it's part of who we are it's part of what makes us makes us human uh, makes us alive you know makes us um i'm saying human but i mean it marks marks an animal too it's part of what it's necessary to us and it's necessary to our health and to our mental health. And we, we manage to do go pretty far without honoring it. I mean, you, you can completely ignore your dream life and life will play out around you and within you. And, um, but I don't know why you'd want to do that. It's such a rich experience. It's such a rich dialogue. It's like having your own personal physician and fortune teller, you know, now,
2: Psyche doesn't
0: tell you everything that you might want to know, but she tells you everything you need to know, everything you need to know for your wholeness. And that seems to be why we came here is to work, to live out an adventure of consciousness. And so, you know, that's my guess about it. Um, Yeah, my guess based on the stuff that I've experienced and observed. But uh, certainly working with dreams enriches each life.
2: It does, and, uh, and uh, okay. So I like that term that you were saying, sympathy of all things, and how things were attracted to each other. Let's say, is that what you meant by that mm-hmm. sympathy of all things?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so this idea of like, like the idea behind the Tao was that things, there are things that like to happen together, things that like to happen together, and so, excuse me, the way that they would describe um, in their historical writings, they would say. Oh, in the year that so and so was empress, or so and so was the emperor, and the lake was was next to the mountain, and the rains were doing such and such, and you know, they would pull all these things together because their idea was that things like there are things that like to happen together, <clears throat> and life was organized that way. What if, um, you
2: know, how is this, you know, the synchronicity of uh... Of all these things, um, I'm wondering how, because um, I heard a couple of different things that were pretty bad lately, and uh, that, um, and it's so it's so odd how uh, it came about. You know that uh, you know. Let's say there was something really bad happened. Uh, But in retrospect, you can see there was a chain of events, even how odd the the bad thing that was happening and what happened. Um, Could a chain of, I'm just trying to say, could even just the ongoing, uh, like in our family, we've had some serious bad things, you know, really serious. And however, before the, the seriousness part of it all really happened, I already saw it coming down. You know how how in the world would you? I I tried to do everything I could to stop it. I told everybody exactly it. I I did it. I ran and sent people on planes. And I swear to you, I tried to avoid it at all costs. And in the end, I I couldn't. Now, what do you think about how we can how can we explain you know this fate question? Or how can you sidestep fate?
0: Or what do we do about that stuff? Well, I don't know that it's possible to sidestep fate, nor do I think we necessarily want to if we could see the whole big picture, you know, but because we have partial information and we can see only partially, dimly, and based on what we see, we don't like to suffer and we don't like bad things to happen to people that we love, but... I suspect if we could see everything and know everything, we might not change anything the way that it happens. You know, I don't know that for sure, but I suspect that. Um, I I think sometimes dreams and inner states of knowing transcend space and time in some way, and mm-hmm. it is possible to go beyond time. So time is our experience and our reality but time is this weird thing, you know Um, and even physicists I know grapple with, with what is time and the reality of time and what it really means. So it seems that dreams or some dreams occur outside of time and it seems from, if you look at Near-death accounts, it seems that that realm uh, in the beyond occurs outside of time as well. And when you're in that out beyond the time, they, people who've had that experience seem to be privy to information about the future, information about the past that they couldn't possibly have known. They're outside of time, so they can look forward and backward at any point in time. Um, not that they can know everything, but they are able to know some things that seems to be what's happening there and so I think that's yes. that's why sometimes in dreams that. we get yes, and sometimes in dreams we get information about the future, and um some things in the future are not set, and they can be changed, and some things cannot be changed, and we have to accept the wisdom of the universe if you for lack of a better term. Um, and that things that are happening and and then we'll have to roll with the punches, you know. Yeah. I, I We're not always going to be able to uh, answer that, that question. There will be things that we don't know and things that don't make sense and there will be things that we suffer because we don't know that will hurt us for a long time, the consequences will hurt us. Um, but when I look at the way things happen for people now, of course it's separated. I'm not looking at things that have happened to me. Um but when I when we look at things that happen to people, the nature of things, it seems to all come out in the end. The end may be a long time away, I don't know, but that seems to be the general trend. But that doesn't mean that things are sweet and joyful and happy and you know, it means that there could be real damage and real trauma and real loss. But ultimately yeah it serves a greater good. And so that, that makes up for it somehow. I don't know. I now that's not to say when somebody suffers a great loss, that it's okay to say to them, Oh, everything happens for a reason. That's like the worst thing you can say to someone. And it's not even true. It's not true. For that person who suffered a great loss, that is not the reality. The reality is this is horrible. What has happened. And, and that, that, that is the, <laughs> that, that, the connection with that person is what's the most important thing, and it may be true that some at some point you can come around to the perspective and say everything happens for a reason, but that's a very inappropriate thing to say to anybody else who's suffered a great loss. So I just want to throw yeah. that in there. Because that's true. It's that true. So careful,
2: people, on. just don't say
0: fate.
2: <laughs> just <laughs> you better say right. God bless right. you, <laughs> better than say the other thing. But you know, it reminds me of this book, uh, The Five People You Meet in Heaven. Right. And I don't know if oh, you've read the book or watched the movie. No, I not You've got to read the five no. people you meet in heaven, and the movie is good, too. You know, so it's the five people you meet in heaven. I love that. Hey. Anyway, yes, I loaned it out, and somebody took it. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this is what happens. There's a scene. This is a scene where, you know, this person had died, and then they meet these five people that need you mm-hmm. to help you on your way in heaven. And in one scene, there's a uh, – a bridal scene, this, this person that died, she wished that she could be on at the wedding of every, everyone, that's her heaven. So she was going from, you know, you could see all the different traditional weddings, you know what I mean? Everything Uh from, Oh, you know, just all cultures of the world were getting married that day and there she was, you know, and, uh, but she was whispering something to the crowd, you know, she whispered in somebody's ear and then she walked to the next person and whispered something you're reminding them. And then what she was saying uh, was the bitter with the sweet. And mm. that's the way she reminded us, you know, it's the bitter with the sweet. It's the bitter with the sweet. Mm. And she was real aware of it, you know, so you really got to huh. you know, uh, get that book. It's a very small book, but it's beautiful. And the movie's actually great. Good for families to wow. watch, you know. Yeah. So
0: yeah.
2: It reminded me of what you were saying. And, uh, because there is a there in this movie it or or book, um, there was a meaning behind each of those people that you meet them in heaven for a reason. You know. Mm. And so it's a fabulous story. And uh anyway, so that was a good one. And uh so what uh we've got gosh uh, we got about ten minutes left, so um now us can you tell us what you're doing now and uh um, what's coming up for you? Uh, what are you what's what are you looking on right now?
0: Well, I'm um so I'm the the main thing that I'm doing right now is working with Gary Bobroff on the webinar series and it's it's been a lot of fun working with Gary. Gary was the um, the genius you might say, or the visionary behind the synchronicity symposium that was held in twenty fourteen in Joshua Tree. And it was very successful, and unfortunately, I was not able to attend because my my husband was presenting uh on alchemy in cambridge the u k um at the same exact weekend, and so we were not able to be there but uh, we were very very sorry about that but yeah, so Gary organized that event and then and then we met. You know, we started collaborating around synchronicity, which is a passion for both of us. And his work is around archetypal nature um, and the archetypal feminine. And so uh, that's that's where that's one aspect of his work. But he also, you know, we, we work together on synchronicity. And it's been a really enjoyable journey of learning and um, collaborating. So I I've, I've really enjoy that. That's one thing that's happening right now. I'm working on a book called The Little Book of Synchronicity. And I'm hoping that that will be out sometime this year. It's a book just, you know, it's just outlining outlining the basics of synchronicity. It's an introductory book, um, what it is, what it isn't, and how it can uh, help us in our lives. Um, And... You know, I'm working with individuals. I'm doing coaching with people, working around, uh, especially people who feel that they're stuck in their lives in some way, who feel that they're undergoing a major transformation in their lives and they don't know how to proceed. They they um, they've tried everything. And and the, what I tell people is, if you have things that you'd like to try, go try those things first. And when you when none of that nothing's working, then come to me and then we'll work on this together. And it's diff- each journey is different, and the way I work with each person is different, and I don't have all the answers, but it's through our collaboration and working together that we can come to that. So we use dreams, we use synchronicities, we use stories, you know, I use narrative and storytelling and mythology and all of that to help people navigate those periods of life that are that, where they're stuck. And, and the truth is, I'm on that journey myself, you know, so... Yeah. Um, so it's a really, it, I find it to be a rich way to, to connect. Um, and I also am working with a couple different organizations around their strategy, long-term strategy development and um, organizational effectiveness. So, so that's interesting too, but the, but the webinar is the, is the big interesting thing right now. And it, and it's fun and it's a really helpful way to work out the material and, Hearing people's synchronicities is always it's always so interesting to see how life works itself people's lives that's really interesting oh you know, it really is and that um
2: how how do you like let's say um 'cause you know I see this as an excellent mentoring tool to point out to people how you know so many things made it to um Uh, had to happen and needed to happen to line you up for this thing like what happened to you on on meeting your husband and that he would also be a like-minded person and that you guys get to study that together what could be better than that
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's really um, yeah and you know there were many times when I I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to meet somebody. Maybe I'll just marry this guy, you know, whoever I was with at the time. And I think what a disaster that would have been, you know. Um, it speaks to the wisdom of waiting sometimes and not acting too hastily.
3: But right, it
0: is right. a, it is a it is a very deep way of working with life, and even sure. if people, I even have clients who don't who don't dream very much. But it doesn't matter because you can use your imagination in ways that can make up for what, what, um, what might be missing out of your dream life. So I know several people who are extremely, extremely creative, musicians and um, professors of spirituality. And they said that they don't remember their dreams. But it almost doesn't matter because especially the musicians I know, who don't remember their dreams? It's as if they're in that dream space all the time. They're creating out of it, and it seems like yeah. the gods, the the archetype, the the like even the Greek gods, the gods of dreams, and you know the gods that be, they really love creativity. They love when we are, when humans are creative and living out of that creative space. And so, um, it's a very enriching space to. When you have that you have like the riches of the world. That's what I think. Yeah. Very rich way. Of I saying, it's
2: yeah. It's very it's rich and it's beautiful, poetic and um okay, I have one time for one quick call. Um this so the area code three three six. Did you have a specific question for our guests tonight? We're running out of time. What's your um, name, please?
3: Yes, please I'd like to. It's Jen. Hi Jen. How are y'all? Hi Jen. Hey, um, I have to admit I didn't get to hear a whole lot of the show because I was putting some um, kids to bed, And um, but anytime that I see anything that comes up on dreams, I'm always so intrigued because my dreams have always been intense since uh, a young, young age, and um, mm-hmm. I just wondered, like, I, so I'll just try to simplify it into just one question. Um, And I tried to write it down as you guys were talking so that I wouldn't get too excited in case you guys <laughs> did pick my call up that I would um, get a little uh, disheveled. But so my question is, um, since I've dreamed so often uh, as a little girl, and it used to just be like what you guys were earlier talking about if some if it was a life issue that I may have been going through, like a death in the family or um you know like it just wouldn't things happen throughout life, but as I've now gotten older, the dreams have become more intense, and thank mm. God, I have a family that loves me and accepts me- exactly how I am um and a husband that does too because they're about the only ones um, that I share my dreams with. But my real question is how do you decipher or interpret the intensity of like the recall of your dream
1: Mm. as
3: as, either correlating to an issue that may be going on in your life or – because sometimes it can be that, and I realize that, but sometimes it feels like warnings or an, an urgency to be alert, something to look out for. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can't just share that with everybody because it could just sound crazy. Right, um, right. So that, but that, but the intensity is the same. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, whether it's, you know, um, a family member that may just be coming back on a particular date that would be important for me that can, you know, wake me up the same way and I would have the same intensity of that recall of it with a different emotion. But when there's other dreams that I don't understand um, and then I'll wake up and go, what in the world does that mean? And just like, do a little research into what I saw in the dream. Sometimes it scares me about yeah. things maybe to come, but the the recall and the intensity of what I feel and the alertness um, is there. And I wonder how do you decipher whether that's just a life issue that you may be going through and maybe it just shows itself as a prophetic thing that could be, you know, happening well, in, in, in so, the world um, or are you just experiencing this psychologically because I don't know you're just stressed out because you know you're a, a mom of a, a lot of kids and you know just <laughs> going through life well so I'll um so I don't
0: know that there's a just to it you know like it's not just this or just that it's the, what I found about intensity is that um, intensity often is is a means of trying to get your attention, to try to get through to you that this is oh, significant. That. That right, and so uh, and sometimes the imagery will get progressively more violent or um, macabre in in order to get your attention. Um, and so that's what that's my experience is that intensity has to do with with Psyche trying to connect with you and get your attention, to pay attention, that this is something important. And sometimes when you start paying attention, when you start treating it as, you know, start you engage that dialogue and you start to research it and look at the dreams and, and, and go on the journey of trying to learn how to interpret them and learn the symbolism, sometimes what happens is then the dreams don't have to be as, as um, intense. Because now you're listening. Now the conversation, it's like a shouting child. The child will shout until you start paying attention. Sometimes they still keep shouting because they're children. But, you know, typically when people are shouting to get your attention, once you start paying attention and they got your attention, they don't have to shout anymore so they can speak more normally. So that's the, that's one thing that happens sometimes. Um, another possibility is that it there, there is something in your future that warrants immediate attention and if that's the case you know and there's no way to know which is which so if that's the case then I would immediately begin to pay attention but you do you keep a journal you should at least start
3: keeping a journal no but I have my my inner voice has been urging me to to do that because there's just so many but it's it's so bizarre because even though I know how many there are it would just pages right um, many so you don't have to, of them make so much sense but there it's almost like i feel like if i write it down then it then i you don't, really you might make it to, come true
0: type of thing right right so here's what i would recommend i i you can keep a journal and you don't. Know, you can um you can write a summary of the dream and pick out highlights you can give the dream a title so that that way it will capture the salient aspects of the dream so that you don't have to, uh, you know, sometimes you're short of time, especially if you're a mom of lots of kids, you're not going to have time to sit there and journal for hours about your dream. So what you want to do is is write, is give it a title, um, describe the feeling that it, it gave you in the dream, and also when you woke up. Were you scared? Were you angry? Were you curious? Were you happy? You know, you can, you can describe it that way. Um, the dream teacher that I mentioned, Robert Moss, he has something called the Lightning Dream Work technique, and that way you can capture your dreams. For, it's for busy people to capture their dreams very quickly, and then you know you can even look at it a little bit later, and you'll remember the dream will come back to you, as, even though mm-hmm. you didn't write it all out in detail. And the reason it's really important to uh, write a journal when I when I was That year that I described where, you know, things were really falling apart and it happened to be the year I met my husband, I wrote down, I journaled a lot and I wrote down my dreams. And I was able to look back years later and see how most of those dreams came literally true. Now, when it was happening, I had no idea that that was was foretelling my future. It just sounded like dream imagery. But in retrospect, mm-hmm. I could say, oh, my gosh, it described my new home. It described where I was going to live. It described um, the death of I my like grandmother. It my total
3: it's past, if I even think back to everything that I could write down. So okay. I'll definitely do that. And I know that we're running short on time. I just wanted to ask uh, yeah. one more thing. Um, what are your thoughts on um, having deja vu in a dream? Yeah, well, you know, it's
0: deja vu falls in this category too we don't know um, and knowing you're dreaming (laughs) yeah well so you've come when you know you're dreaming you're coming lucid in the dream and there can be many more adventures that you can have in the dream state you know things that you can explore you can explore the dream the dream characters a little bit more when you come when you become lucid in the dream once you realize that you're dreaming there there are other adventures you can have and there's a I find a lot of people emphasizing, you know, they have this desire to become lucid in the dream so that they can control their dreams. But I find, I personally, I find that um, to be a misuse of dreaming. It's fun to be lucid in the dreams. It's fun to even have some control in your dreams, but why do you want to have control in your dreams? That's a dialogue between you and psyche. You can do it sometimes, but I, I don't think it's necessary to do it most of the time, even because, it's the dial. It's like trying to control a conversation. Every time you meet right. with someone, you try to control the conversation. Why do you want to do that? It's okay to control it oh, sometimes. Oh, I don't. It's, but...
3: that awareness has always woken me up because right. of so the feeling. Right. So I'm. I'm not uh, saying
0: that.
3: I'm not saying you're doing it. I'm just saying, you know, for pe- for other people in who be curious
0: about lucid dreaming, it's you know, let it's fun. Go ahead and do it, but don't stop don't trying make to control the your world. Okay. Exactly. You're exactly.
2: You control everything, control freaks. So, knock it off. So, Jen, get your <laughs> journal out because, Jen, I feel like you've got a lot to write about. You know what I mean? So, I think you should start oh, writing yeah. for clarity yeah. um, and for, you
3: know. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, my my brain is like a packed sack of. Yeah, it is. So, you got to uh, get it out. Yeah, really. Um, okay, and then only just because I didn't Uh-oh. hear the very beginning and I just find it so interesting and. I just didn't hear like what your thoughts were on people who do dream so vividly
0: um I don't believe that we actually talked about that, but some some people have more facility with dreaming than other people it's like it's like anything else. Some people are faster runners, some people are better cooks, some people are better at music Dreaming um, is something that everybody does, but some people seem to have more more um, clear facility and if you're gifted with that uh, ability to dream so vividly definitely start exploring it and developing a relationship with it absolutely
3: okay so it's just another mm-hmm. part of the
0: psyche yeah i wouldn't say just but- i mean it's a really really big rich part of the psyche but yeah it's a it's It's the level at which psyche has a chance to communicate with you, and so it's a really important part of the psyche. And it also seems to be a place where a level where um, people who have died can come and communicate with us, um, and we can get communication from other people as other beings as well. So it's a very yeah. That's
2: happened to me. Uh, that's it for tonight, Jen. So uh,
3: Uh, thank thank you so much for calling in. Get your journal because
2: that'd be good. Nice talking to you. Oh, all right. Take care.
3: Thanks.
2: Okay. Bye-bye. Perfect. Okay, miss. We went a little bit over, but they're still recording, and then you can listen to this again in archives anytime you want. So, uh, Miss Cynthia, a uh, very uh, interesting show, and uh, uh, you're welcome back anytime, and uh, anytime something new comes up, just let us know we want to have you talking about it. So you can get a hold of Cynthia at Cynthia, C-A-V-A-L-L i com, right yes thank you
1: char
2: yes
0: that's you're welcome that's and then Thanks uh so you're yourself.
2: also involved in the in the webinar which is wednesdays uh for the next few wednesdays april and the beginning of may from 7 to 9 mm-hmm. p.m wednesday specific standard time it's called the synchronicity and the miraculous yin and you go to com, or you go ahead to or cynthia's uh, website because uh Uh, you have a lot of things over there that are very interesting and you can make appointments and anything else for the people that want to speak with Cynthia. So, Cynthia, I want to thank you so much. And uh, it's always a pleasure. You're always welcome on the Paranormal Sacred. So good night, Cynthia. Take care.
0: Good night. Good night. You take care too, sure. Thank you so much.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So so people... um, you know, this has given us a lot to think about, and, you know, we've always been given the direction to get in our journal. So I'll just give that advice one more time because Cynthia is so correct. You know, we're a fountain of knowledge and an overflowing brain of ideas and gifts and also messages to us. And uh, some of it, uh, as she said, the, you know, it could be from the beyond, uh, you know, and it could be from other things. But anyway, you start writing in your journal and uh, we have another uh, guest next week, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And this, she's going to. She's called the the uh, like. She's an animal whisperer, and she can communicate with animals. And she's actually been involved in a lot of healing and planning. And she's kind of a animal psychiatrist. So anyway, she's going to be here next Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I want to thank everybody in chat. You guys are geniuses and have great questions. And also my people that called in. Love you too very much. And I want to thank you for calling and uh, make us part of your Friday night. You know, it's a beautiful night tonight, and I wish you all well. And remember that uh, the paranormal and the sacred is a place for the unheard, baby heard, and also that we're not scared to talk about just about anything on this planet. And uh, you take care. God bless you, and good night all. Bye-bye.